He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, thank you this morning for being here in the house of God. Thank you for this church. And Lord, we're just thanking you for the word of God and how it instructs us. And God, we're thanking you and appreciating these wonderful pastors that you've blessed uh, Portview with. And so, God, on this day, may they have just an added blessing to their lives. We're grateful now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, tell your neighbor they look good in church this morning as you sit down. Well, there we go. Hey, we're off and running today. And so on your note sheet right there, Roman numeral number one, the problems both then and now are the same. Wow, there are some troubles that were happening right here. Jesus is is talking about in his lessons. And you know, as pastors, every now and then we deal with the problems of people. We deal with the troubles of people. And so, um, Pastor Mark, uh, pa- Pastor Harold, and, and Pastor Mitch, they are here to help people. That's sometimes, you know, people come and they're like, Pastor, I'm sorry to talk with you about this, or I'm sorry to lay this on you. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And so, Jesus is talking about a problem that the people were having and he was trying to help them understand it in a little different way. And so he was giving an illustration about salt. He was given a, an illustration. And so letter A, bad salt and burnt out light bulbs. And so oftentimes in the Bible it talks about, talks about salt. If salt's no good, a light bulb. If you have a light, you, you sang this song when you were little, right? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, right? Hide it under a bushel. No. Ah, thank you. Somebody at least know the song. And so, so what good would it be to have a collection here, Pastor Mark, in your church of salt that was no good and light bulbs that were all burnt out? If you like took me to the room and said, wow, check out what I have here. That is not what you'd be excited about, but the heart of your pastors is is the title of my sermon because they've got a heart for you to not just be salt that's of no value or a burnt out light bulb, but they have a heart to see you effective for the kingdom of God. And so we're talking about that phrase, if, if, if salt lost its flavor, that's actually a, a, a Greek word that's representing that phrase. The Greek word moreno, moreno. And uh, number one right there, that Strong's number, to make flat and tasteless. Uh, of salt, that has lost its strength and flavor. And so so what Jesus is explaining right here is, is if, if you as a Christian, as a believer, as, a, as salt to the world, but you've lost your flavor. You've lost your, your, you're no longer something that is tasteful, but you're tasteless. You've lost your strength. And so the purpose of salt number two right there, it, it was valued item back in the day. Part of a soldier's pay was given in salt. Words, salt and salary are often related. Thus, that saying that some of you might have heard that he's not worth his salt. 
right? Hey, you probably have heard that before. Well, those two things were often linked together. And so it, it was a preservative, number one, right there. The Greeks used to say that salt could put a new soul into dead things. Um, without salt, uh, a thing putrefied uh, and, uh, and went bad. And so it, it, it stuff would rot as a, as a result. Uh, petrified, that word. I said that wrong, right? And so when it, 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 when it lost its freshness, it was no longer preserved, Barclay says. And so what does this mean? Is that true Christianity uh, must act as a preservative. We must be a cleansing antiseptic in the world in which we live. That's why God put you where you are right now. That's why he puts you at your job in your neighborhood. He puts you in this community to be salt as a preservative. But number two, also as a flavoring. Food without salt, it can be revoltingly insipid. And so uh, Christians then must, God bless you, be the ones who bring flavor into life. Christianity, which acts like a shadow of gloom uh, and a wet blanket, is no true Christianity. Christians are the people, by their courage, their hope, and their cheerfulness, and their kindness, bring a new flavor into life. And so salt, the purpose of salt, the preservative of flavoring. And But then it was also used on the land, number three. It was used to make it easier for things to grow as Christians. We must carry with us the breath of heaven in which the final things, uh, the fine things flourish and evil things shrivel up. Failure to fulfill this function means that there is no good reason for existence. And we have already seen that in the economy of God, uselessness invites disaster. So those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Let them here. And so Barclay said that. And so he's describing. And the thing is, is, is it's important right here is that we don't misunderstand that, that Jesus was talking to us about something that was profoundly important. Sometimes we can misunderstand things. Anybody ever misunderstand? Ever have a misunderstanding with someone? Yeah. This one couple from Minnesota, they decided to go on vacation during winter and they planned to stay in the very same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier because of hectic schedules it was difficult for them to coordinate their travel schedules so the husband left minnesota and flew to florida on thursday and his wife would fly down the following day the husband checked into the hotel room and there was a computer in his room so he decided to send an email to his wife However, he had accidentally left out one letter in her email address. And without realizing his error, he sent the email. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was a minister of many years who was called home to glory following a sudden heart attack. And the widow, the widow decided to check her email after expecting messages from relatives and friends. After reading the first message, she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor and saw the computer screen, which read, To my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. And then it gave the date. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. You're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. 
I've just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything's prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. Sometimes we have misunderstandings, but Jesus didn't want us to misunderstand the fact of why we're here and what's important about what you're doing where he put you. And so uh, in this case, it's important for us to be salt that's effective. And, and it's about being followers and disciples of Jesus. Discipleship, it's, it's, it's extremely important stuff. And, and it's why your church puts such a high value on digging deeper and intentionally putting things that help you like the purple book and the bait of Satan and Trek and the book, the good and beautiful God. Those things are there so that your salt, that is effective salt. Oswald Chambers, he writes this. He says, there is always an if in connection with discipleship. And it implies that we need uh, not be disciples unless we like. There is never any compulsion. Jesus does not coerce us. There is only one way to, of being a disciple, and that is by being devoted to Jesus. And so have, have you ever felt like God just got your attention with something? So I felt like about a month ago I was studying. I felt like God just got my attention with this next chapter, Luke chapter 15. And, uh, and I felt like on three different occasions, he just brought it before me. And, and I'm like, wow. And in the middle of putting, uh, of studying that, I felt like he, he plopped this passage here in my heart to share with you. And so, uh, I'm, I'm excited. So let her be complaining. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, it, it, it starts off talking about that but you know this chapter it's it's in the gospel but many people call it the gospel inside of the gospel and so luke 15 it starts off at verse 1 then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him uh, uh to hear him and the pharisees and the scribes complained saying this man receives sinners and eats uh with them so he spoke this parable to them saying and so it's really important to notice right off the get-go is that number one is that tax collectors and sinners were attracted to Jesus and not to the Pharisees and the scribes. And so isn't that interesting? And so I, I, that, that just kind of begs two questions. And so it's important for lost people, number one right there, uh, uh, away for, uh, people who are far away from God, that might not be in your notes. And so to feel welcome and attracted and loved here at Portview Church. Do you realize that? It's really important for them. That, that's how people felt when they were around Jesus. They felt loved. They, they felt attracted to him. And so when people come here, you know, make Portview the friendliest church in the whole town. The friendliest church in the whole neighborhood. Right now, Pastor Mark is just going, Jay, preach it right now. Just make this church the friendliest church. Take time to say hi to somebody you don't know. To learn someone's name on a Sunday morning. To go out of your way and say, hey, thanks for coming. We're 
Great to see you. Or to invite someone, you know, out for coffee after or, or to connect with somebody. Those are things back in the day that, that happened a lot. We sometimes get away from that. And I know with everything happening with coronavirus, we've got to be really careful. But it's still important to connect with people. And so take time to do that. And the second thing right here that it makes me think of is, are lost people attracted to you? Are they attracted to you? And so that is a great little question for us to ask ourselves. D.L. Moody, he directed a Sunday school program way back in the day in Chicago for many years. One boy walked several miles to attend. One day someone asked him this question. Why don't you go to a Sunday school closer to home? Living way over there and coming way over here. He replied, uh, by saying this, because they love a fella way over here. That's what's so important about Portview Church, being a church that really loves people, that really cares about people. And so number two, right there, complaining by the religious leaders and the religious people of the day. They, they had a complaining spirit. And so they they were complaining and they had this goal in which they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They didn't like the kinds of things that Jesus said. And so that 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 Greek word there for complaining to murmur and uh diagonzo and, and it means either of the whole crowd or among one another. And so sometimes all of us can have a, a kind of uh, a dis, dissettledness inside of us. And, and we can all kind of just be a little dissatisfied. But, but we as individuals sometimes can complain too. And, and so always used of many in, indignantly um, complaining. And so it was something there that, 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 that there was complaining that was happening. And, and so Jesus was trying to address this right on the heels of talking about salt. Right on the heels of where he was referring to salt. And so what did Jesus do in here in Luke chapter 15? He told three stories. He told three stories. Three parables. Three parables about grace is what he told. He told a story about the lost sheep. So number three, three parables of grace. The lost sheep. He told that story. It's God's heart to go after one sheep in danger. Even when the 99 are safe. And so we take that story and we kind of understand it from, from Jesus' perspective. In other words, he would say that those that are actually more important here at Portview are the ones who aren't here this morning. And those that, that, that are not. And so you're important to God. But the one that's not here is more important. And so we got to wrestle with that. We have to wrestle with things of, of doing uh, outreach and connecting with our community and things like, like a youth pastor that's going to reach young people for Jesus. Those are doing things different. That's thinking outside of the box. That's kind of putting our money where our mouth is. If we talk about being people who cares, what are we doing about our, our, our high schoolers and our junior hires and, and to reach them. And so, Pastor Mark, I love the idea and being here. I know this has been on your heart for a while because you've told me about this. I just hadn't realized that he didn't share that with all of you. And so that had been a little awkward coming here today and talking about that when uh, you hadn't told anybody that one. And so, no, I wasn't going to do that. And so, but anyway, so 
That's that first story Jesus tells. And we know that story about the lost sheep and God's heart. God's heart to go after and explaining in the way of a shepherd. Hey, the second story that that Jesus tells us about a lost coin, about a coin that uh, would have an... Uh, if you have a coin, when you, when you look at that coin, what's usually... You know, one side's usually got uh, a symbol of our government and the other side usually has a what? A picture? An image, right? An image. He's telling this story about this... This woman looking for this lost coin. And so, in other words, the people would have known it. Because the image that would have been on that would have probably have been of their emperor, their king. And so, you, just like that coin, have an image that's been stamped on your life. You know that? You've been created in the image of God. Yes. And God is passionate about searching for people. He's passionate about it, and we're learning that from the lost coin uh, and the lost sheep. And then that third story is about the lost son. Oh, you might know it as the what? The prodigal son. Yeah, it's really about the lost son, but we often know that story. And in that story, he, he, the son wants his inheritance, and he wants to go, and he wants to spend his money and, and take it and have fun and live life. And, and so he does that. And, and there's such a, a sobering, sobering passage uh, that, that I just love this, this verse. And, and, and it says that uh, he, he was lost and he was living and, and, uh, um, and he, was, he was realizing, but, but the Bible says that he had come to his senses. But, uh, but when, verse, verse 17, but when he, ha- he came to his senses... Ah, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But when he had come to his senses, you know, at one point in our lives, we've got to come to our senses about our need for God. That we've tried to figure it out our own way. We've tried to go about our own plans and live our life. But but we come to our senses that God helps us to see our need and to see our lostness. And so he squanders his wealth on this loose living and he finds himself in the wrong place feeding pigs and, and kind of seeing his life a little bit like that. He returns to the embrace and the forgiveness of his father. His father. And so we're seeing that. And, and the father is representing of God. And, 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 and so, and he's, he's extending this, this love and forgiveness, representing who Jesus is to our world and the son. And so when the older son doesn't come to this celebration, the father goes to him. The father goes to him. Now remember, we're at the beginning of this story. We're talking about scribes and Pharisees. Remember, they're complaining. They didn't like that. All these sinners like Jesus. Man, why does Jesus care so much about all of these people that we really don't like? And so Jesus goes, tells a story, and he's getting to the part about the older son. He's not there. He goes, talks to him. And the older son is angry, complaining his party. He's having a really big party, only it's a pity party that he's having. Well, I never had a fattened calf to have with my friends. And, and he's talking very selfishly. Everything he said was very much about himself. 
And the older son represented the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people of the day who they, they had this head knowledge, but it had never translated to a heart knowledge. And so they had this information up here, but it had never come down here. They had never entered into a relationship. And that's what Jesus was trying to communicate. And so your, your savior has the heart that your pastors have. And they've gotten that from Jesus and they, they love you as a church. They care about you as a church. And they want to see your light shine and your salt be good uh, to, uh, to use and to be used in the community where you are. And so their hearts are for you. And, and, and they're, uh, they're wanting to see you grow. And so God's just blessed you with pastors and so they're laboring in the work that they do and oftentimes behind the scenes that we that that you might not ever see or know but they're walking through situations in people's lives they're handling stress sometimes that can be a little bit much um take my word for it and so they're giving people advice your pastors are here for you to come to you know what come to them not with just with problems they're, they're going to help you and they're going to give you some insights, but also come and tell them about when things go really well. They want to rejoice with you and not just help you when things are difficult. Okay. God's blessed them. You know, sometimes in my church, I've got people that come and ask advice about a house or a job or I, I went with a man and he was wanting me to come and look at a car that he was thinking about buying. And so I went with him. I'm like, absolutely. I'd be happy. Matter of fact, I was really excited about that because usually when I look for a car, I like take forever. My wife, that, no, I would just not go there. She, she knows me really well. It takes me forever. <laughs> and so, but they have a heart for you. I like what Warren Worsby, he says right here. He wants no false expectancy, no illusions, no bargains. He wants us he wants to use us as stones for building his church, soldiers for battling his enemies, and salt for bettering his world. And he is looking for quality. I love that quote. I put that right on your note sheet there. And so your pastors are doing an amazing job. They, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of how they're leading your church. And uh, I, 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 just, I just want you to know that when heaven rejoices, just as it says in this chapter, over one soul that's saved, your pastors rejoice over, over one soul that's saved, over someone who has had the light bulb go off. And, and they're like, I got it. I know why God put me here. They rejoice. They're like, yes, yes. That makes them so excited. I, I can't tell you how many times Pastor Mark has just said, hey, Jay, let me just tell you about something really exciting that happened in our church. Let me just tell you about what God did. And so his heart is about loving you and seeing God's best happen in your life. And, and, he, and he shares that. And so I got a couple of things that I put there at the bottom of your note sheet. And uh, you, you, you might be saying, hey, 
Pastor Jay, what are some tangible things that I could do uh, to encourage our pastors? Number one, know him. Acknowledge the fact that he's unique in his style and gifts and character traits. They're unique. So let him be who he is, all right? And so I know he thinks he's a good fisherman and just, you know, just kind of prop him up and just tell him you're just a great fisherman. <laughs> the time I went fishing with him, well, we won't tell that story. We'll just go. So zero fish, zero fish. So number two, esteem him very highly. Paul talks about and tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13, always speak honorably and respectfully, and he deserves your, your highest opinion, okay? He's a messenger that God sent to care and shepherd and be a teacher here in this church, and so esteem him. And when, when you're talking with others, uh, you know, let them know, boy, you know what, our pastor, he is just a great leader, a great example. His wife and our staff and, and whoever the pastor that you're connecting. And so esteem him highly. Hey, number three right there, remember him. Remember him to the throne of grace. And so pray for him. Pray for your church. And so um, pray for God to use him and God to give him wisdom and insight. And that uh, is something that, that you can pray for him to be anointed in his preaching. And, and that God would just keep using him and give him patience and faith and joy and peace. And pray that God will constantly renew his passion for Christ and his passion for the body of Christ and for the unsaved. Pray for him. Number four, follow him. Follow his devotion, doctrine, and, and dependability that he shares is just being an example here. And so as he is following Christ, you don't realize that, that Pastor Harold and Pastor Mitch and Pastor Mark, they're here by God's doing. God brought them here. God put it together. And that's a beautiful thing. And number five, use your skills to bless him. So he can't do all of this stuff by himself. God's blessed you with some gifts and abilities. Get involved in the church. There was a time when my good friend, Ron Marsiglio, we went to Bible college together, and we got going to Praise Assembly in, in uh, northeast Minneapolis at North Central. And we just really felt God wanted us uh, there at that church. So we set up an appointment and went in to see him one day, and we are trying to figure out how to get involved and, and what, what ministries. And so here's what we said to him. We said, uh, Pastor, his name was Tom Eli. Pastor Tom, what ministries in your church has the biggest need? And he's like, wow, I'll tell you right now, is our children's ministries and our nursery. So before I could say anything, my buddy's like, I'll go in kids' ministries. And I said, oh, thanks, dude. Okay. I'll go in nursery. And, you know, I served in the twos and threes in my time at Nurse Central. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. The leader over the twos and threes was a lady named Laura Wieland. Okay? This is back in the 80s, all right? I still remember her. She did such a fabulous job leading that ministry and pouring into us as leaders and taking care of all these little kids. I'm like, God, I know why you put me here. And so it was something. And so use your skills to bless this church. And that in turn is going to bless your pastor. And maybe, just maybe, one of you might do something courageous and go up to Pastor Mark and say, where in the church do you think I should serve? And let him pick that out for you. And you know what? God was in it because my buddy, he became a kid's pastor for a while. And this is even kind of crazier. His kid 
is now my kid's pastor. How about that one, right? That's pretty wild. And so he's been with me for about three years, and he's doing a great job. And so um, number six, squelch gossip. If you hear negative comments or people talking about something, you don't just respond in a positive way or, or just say, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing for us to talk about right here. This probably isn't the time or place. Or, or just silence it by maybe walking away. Okay, number seven, thank him, thank him. Express your appreciation and your uh, uh, what, how you feel about how he's blessed uh, your life and family. Number eight, remember his first priority is his family. Remember that. Your pastor loves his family. He loves his wife dearly, and uh, he speaks of them all the time. Uh, I was so excited to see his grandkids, and so uh, he just, I, I still have a hard time thinking of him as a grandpa, but Grandpa Mark, he's a grandpa. What cute grandkids. Who who can't like a grandkid? I mean, that's a way that you guys are wonderful, and so I, I just am so proud to be here, and uh, I just want to pray. I know the deacons are getting ready to come on up here because they've got some cool things uh, that they're going to share uh, and that they've been working on, and these guys have been doing a great job. And so um, you guys have some wonderful deacons here. Jesus, thank you that you've just given us, Lord, some insight about your heart for those that follow you and your heart for those uh, that are lost and and how you want us to live and how our lives are supposed to be salt that is useful salt. So God, thank you for this church and thank you for the wonderful leadership team here at Portview. And God, thank you that you have, have, have brought them here, Lord, for this wonderful time, for such a time as this. And so, God, I just pray a blessing over this, the pastoral team, their wives and their children and grandkids. Lord, I just pray that you would use them mightily. And, Lord, on this special Pastor Appreciation Day, God, may they just sense, Lord, the smile of heaven, Lord, upon them and the blessing of God upon this church. And, God, may you just help this congregation, Lord, just rally around their pastors and appreciate them and thank them and just let them know that you guys are doing a great job and thank you for all you do behind the scenes, God. I just pray, Lord, over over this church in a special way. And God, thank you, Lord, uh, uh, for for being here and visiting with us today. And, and Lord, for the little things that you just dropped in our hearts, God, that you've put there uh, today as a challenge to each of us, God, thank you for those things as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.